Pastor Ed Ray on hearing the voice of God in our life. My sheep hear my voice, though. That's what he said. It, it might be through somebody else that's talking. It might be a radio program. It might be a television program. It might be a book that you're reading. It might be a friend just telling you about what happened to them. But all of a sudden, you go, whoa, that one came from heaven. I felt that. That was God. And then you should say, thank God I can hear his voice. That's what he wants us to do. They hear my voice, they know me, and they follow me. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Many people today are walking around with real questions about whether or not they're truly saved. And that's one area you don't want to even have an ounce of uncertainty. The good news is you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Let's find our place in John chapter 10 and uncover the great love God has for us, as well as some truths about who God is and our security in Christ. Pastor Ed Ray is looking at a confrontation between Jesus and some of the Jews of his day on Growing Grace. 38 years, this guy's laying by a pool in downtown Jerusalem, and he's on a pallet. He's, he's on a little stretcher, and he's begging for money. They didn't have any social security. It's the only way you could make it. And Jesus walks up and said, would you like to be healed? The guy doesn't know how to answer. And finally, Jesus said, Take up your bed and walk. And the guy did. Grab his belt. 38 years, muscles atrophied. Nerves, no, no work on his legs, or they're just wiped out. He hasn't walked in 38 years. Instantly, it was all there. How did Jesus do that? One of the first questions I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. Fourth one, feeds 5,000. How about 5,000 guys over for lunch, Mom? You got time? Here's five loaves of bread and two fish. That should be enough, right? Miracle out of nothing. Walks on water. Have you tried that lately? <laughs> Without a ski boat in front of you pulling you. <laughs> He's able to change the laws of physics and chemistry. And then, as we looked just in the last part of this chapter, a guy that was born blind. Now, the miracle is more astounding, not just because he makes these organs, these two eyeballs work, but he gives him an index for his brain. Table of contents. When you're a little kid, you're crawling around, all that's being built. There's a mom, there's a tree, there's a sound, there's music, there's the color red, all that instantly. Jesus created it by spitting in the clay and making mud and putting it in the guy's eyes. That's not sterile, Jesus. You can't do it that way. Really? <laughs> God says, yes. And, and he saves the best to last. Lazarus, he's dead in the grave for four days. In this kind of weather, 100 degree. And Jesus said, roll back the stone. And his sister is standing there of Lazarus, the guy that died. And she says, Lord, he stinketh. I love the King James. He stinketh. Don't open that thing up. Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. That's coming. That'll be the, the crowning achievement. A time schedule. It's 
coming towards spring, Passover. You're on a time schedule. I'm on a time schedule. Psalm 139 says that when you were knit together in your mother's womb, God wrote in his book of life the days given for you. I don't know what that number is. I don't know what they are for me. I thought my number was up a a few weeks back in a car accident. But God said, no, not yet. We're all living on the edge of eternity. Do you take that seriously? Not to make this a big bummer, but we're talking about a really long length of time and we're here for a really short amount of time. Jesus is short on time, 26. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, I'm the shepherd, the good shepherd, he said, and my sheep know my voice. They know who I am. He gives us that ability when we surrender our lives to him. When we say, God, forgive my sins, take my life, I surrender. And he installs in you the Holy Spirit. That's his promise. Three times in the Old Testament, the new covenant, not the old one, not the 513 laws, rules, and regulations. The new covenant is, I'll take out your heart of stone. I had a heart of stone. And those of you who have surrendered, you know what I'm talking about. No compassion. Or I might feel sorry for people, but I didn't empathize. I didn't feel what they felt. Take out your heart of stone. Put in a heart of flesh. Write my law of love on your heart. Put my Holy Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. That's what God says. He'll do five I wills. I will do that for you if you surrender. I will make it so that you want to do the right thing and not the wrong thing. You'll have a desire to do what's right. It's an unbelievable miracle. I told you, he said, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. I told you I'm the one who came from heaven in John 3. Just listen to a couple of these. I told you whoever believes in me has eternal life, John 3, 15. I told you I'm the son of God, John 5, 19. I told you I will judge all humanity, John 5, 23. I told you the Hebrew scriptures all speak of me, verse 39. I told you I perfectly reveal God the Father, John 7, 28. I always please God. I'm uniquely sent from God. Before Abraham was, I am. And on and on these things he told them, but they didn't get it. They weren't listening. You're not my sheep. You aren't my sheep. You never came and surrendered to me. You never asked for your sins to be forgiven. Have you done that? It's that simple. You can't see the kingdom of God, but he will show you in your life how it works. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Have you heard God's voice yet? He's here. He's speaking. And now, don't misunderstand me. When I say hear his voice, I don't mean your tympanic memories fluttering back and forth, and you hearing an audible. I've never heard an audible voice of God. But he has spoken to me out of the Bible. He spoke to me this morning. It wasn't good. I had to confess a bunch of stuff and ask him for forgiveness so I could be forgiven and come here and tell you all the bad things that you do wrong. (laughs) That way I'm all holy before I get here. (laughs) 
I was just a joke. Don't believe any of that. My sheep hear my voice, though. That's what he said. It, it might be through somebody else that's talking. It might be a radio program. It might be a television program. It might be a book that you're reading. It might be a friend just telling you about what happened to them. But all of a sudden, you go, whoa, that one came from heaven. I felt that. That was God. And then you should say, thank God I can hear his voice. That's what he wants us to do. They hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, you know, they made movies out of it and everything, and Prince Caspian, in that particular book, Lucy is looking out over this beautiful pasture, and she sees Aslan. Now, Aslan is the lion, who is a illustration, a picture of Jesus who's going to die for sins of the world. But she sees him, and none of the other kids see him at first, and then as they're looking, they said, well, he's right there. Why didn't we see him? And she said, maybe you weren't looking for him, or maybe you didn't want to see him and hear from him. You see, the first few months I was a Christian, that's where I was. I, I didn't want him to talk to me because I was sure he was going to send me to Pakistan where people are going to want to cut off my head for Jesus, for telling them about Jesus. <laughs> but that's because I didn't understand his love. I didn't come to know that until a couple of years into this relationship, that he's going to take care of me and that he'll keep me. thousand questions and doubts. But here's what Jesus says to that worry, verse 28. And I give them eternal life. Now, this is a double negative in the Greek language. We can't even say it quite that way in English. But literally it says, they shall not ever perish forever forever. He's saying, you're not going to perish. Now, I'm going to die. You're going to die. That's not what he's saying. But when you take your last breath here, having surrendered to him, the next breath you take in the twinkling of an eye, you will be face to face with Jesus Christ, your redeemer. He said, and seeing him, we will be like him, Paul wrote. Suddenly, you will know as you are known. No eye has seen, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you. Heaven's coming. So, I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. Last breath here, next breath there. Neither shall anyone snatch them, take them, grab them, pull them out of my hand. Now, this verse... I didn't understand for a long time. But a, my grandson is a teenager now, and when he was five, I remember the day very clearly. Uh, we were, he and I were going to lunch with his mom and dad just down the street at one of the restaurants, and he put his hand in mine, and I melted, you know, to, oh, cool, Grandpa's got his grandson. And we're walking across the parking lot, and he starts to run from me to jump up on this little planter he likes to show off, you know, well, he can balance. But there was a car coming in the parking lot. And so I just held on to his hand. <laughs> he just one of those things, because I'm a lot stronger than he is. And, and he kept trying to run, and finally I just picked him up. They said, you're not going anywhere. He said, why not? He said, can't you see that car right there? That's the word that Jesus is here. My grip towards my grandson is like God's grip towards you. Isn't that great news that God has his grip on us and our lives? 
You can't be any more secure than that. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Let's finish up John 10 now. I was looking at some old photographs of the Golden Gate Bridge, 1933 to 1937, built it. At that time, the longest suspension bridge in the world, 1.2 miles. And so as they were building it, they ran into problems after they got it up to the height and started out because construction workers were slipping and falling off the bridge. And they thought, well, the water would be okay. No, it's such a long drop, it rattled your head. And 11 of them died falling off that bridge while it was being constructed. So finally, the city of San Francisco called in a company that built trampoline safety nets for circus performers, you know, high wire. And they brought them in to build a net all the way across 1.2 miles underneath the bridge. And they had to go to a manufacturer who specially manufactured these ropes that had to be over a mile long, looped them all together. And the workers were afraid to go out and the work was almost to a stop. And so finally they got one of them to go out and he went out, he's working and he slips and he falls. But he only falls about 30 feet into this net and it catches him and he bounces a couple of times, bounces up and says, hey, that was fun, I might try it again. And all the construction workers, all of a sudden, they got brave. They realized it couldn't kill them. And the work progressed 25% faster. And they saved, in those days, a lot of money because they finished the bridge early. $1.3 million they saved, which isn't enough for 10 foot of asphalt today, but it, you know, it was a big deal in 1937. Illustration, go do something crazy for Jesus. What? Well, he'll make me go to Pakistan and they'll want to kill me. Or Afghanistan. Go someplace simple at first. Go to Mexico. What? You mean Acapulco? No, no, no. We have two groups that go from the church every month. They go down. One group takes food and diapers to all the orphanages below the border. And because the Mexican government doesn't have a good social welfare program, and they don't get enough food and diapers, you just ride along in the truck and you unload groceries for orphanages in Mexico. And the other group goes down and stops at Casa Esperanza, which is a battered woman's home. Go do something that will give back to you much more than what you give. Go serve the Lord. Or better yet, go to someplace around the world and tell people about Jesus. But you're safe, he'll take care of you. Another illustration, we have a family in the church that the daughter's an ice skater, very good, hopes to be in the Olympics, Winter Olympics. I don't know anything about figure skating, but the mother was explaining to me about how it works. And I I only, you know, I turn on the Olympics and see people doing flips and things and you go, wow. But she explained that there's two parts to the, the competition. First is called compulsory. Compulsory is you have to do like circles and figure eights and and then freestyle is the flips, all that sort of stuff. So the compulsory, they get more points for than the freestyle. And she was explaining you could win the compulsory and then be guaranteed a gold medal and do terrible on the freestyle. So let's say you're the figure skater for God and you've got a perfect score, your coach comes up, you got a perfect score. 
you can't do anything wrong in the freestyle now because you are going to win the gold medal. How would you skate? Would you be tentative and, and real careful? Or would you try that quad that you've never ever tried before? Go try a quad for Jesus. I have friends that are um, into health food and working out and all that. They come to me because, you know, my biochemistry background, okay, well, you take creatine and you do this, this, and this. But they're all trying to preserve their body. You know, they think, I'm going to get back my body that I had when I was 17. Ain't going to happen. But, you know, they're drinking Perrier water and being all real careful about everything that goes in their mouth because they want to come into heaven with a flawless body, I guess. Not me. I want to come sliding into heaven sideways with bald tires and smoking brakes, having done everything I possibly could to make this life count. Why would I do that? Because nobody can take me out of his hand. I, I'm safe. You're safe. Go do it. 29, my father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them. Same word, grab them, pull them out of my father's hand. Freedom is not a license to sin. It's an opportunity to serve God with full abandon. I, I was talking to a, a pastor's kid a while back, and he was saying, well, you know, I, I and he'd been busted doing something wrong. And, and I said, you know, you're, you're, people know your dad, and what, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm saved. I can do anything I want. It says it can't take me out of my father's hands. He said, my Bible says that if you like sin and you keep doing it, heaven is close to you. Oh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> that's not a license to sin when it says you can't fail. But it is a license to go and do for God anything that he would ask you to do. Verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. The word we don't have in English when he said one, it's, it means a composite. Here, the Greek word is heisis, H-E-I-S, and it means a composite of things all together in one pile. The Hebrew language has a word for it. It's a cod, and it's part of this great Shema, the hero Israel. That's what Shema means. And in Hebrew, it's Shema, Israel, Akkad, Adonai. Here, Israel, one God. Jesus said, my father and I are one. Here's the unity of the Trinity, three and one. See, Pastor, I, I can't understand that. How can there be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one God? Listen, honestly, I don't understand it either. But the Bible says it. I believe it. Jesus said it. Those people that come to you on Saturday morning say, Jesus never claimed to be God. Take them right here. John 10.30. I and the Father are the same. That's what it says. Of course, it's a hand grenade thrown into the crowd of Jewish rabbis. Verse 31. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. They want to kill him. They wanted to kill him last time when he said, before Abraham was, I am, I have been, I am now, and I always will be. They want to kill him for it. Jesus answered, many good works I've shown you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? 
Because I healed the guy that was paralyzed for 38 years, you want to kill me? Because I gave the blind guy the ability to see, you want to kill me for that? The Jews answered saying, for a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. They're so close here, but they missed it. This is the mistaken identity. Because you being God, make yourself man. That's what they should have said. You, God the Son, became a man. But whew, it goes right past him. The most brilliant guys on the planet, you could argue, at the time. But sometimes that's the problem. Too much IQ and too much education can lead you to self-sufficiency. You start thinking, I'm smarter than everybody else. Bah. 33, we don't stone you for good work, but for making yourself God when you are. <laughs> 34, Jesus answered them, it's not written in your law, you are God's. It's Psalm 82. And it's talking to judges, and God is trying to give them a warning that I've given you the power to decide men's lives, capital punishment. He said, verse 35, if he called them gods, or we would say your honor, okay, showing honor to a man because he has that power over your freedom. If he called them gods of whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? But he is the son of God. Judges do have that power over humanity. But God can revoke that power. Verse 37, if I do not do the works of my father, don't believe in me. If I can't do any miracles, don't believe in me, he said. But if I do, though you do not believe in me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is me and I am him. Miracles. Listen, I have an advantage over all of you. I sit up here and can see all your faces. And I know a lot of your stories. And some of them are amazing. There's miracles going on. There's so many miracles. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there's, you know, some of you are walking miracles. Walking miracles, you know. Verse 39. Therefore, they sought again to seize Jesus, but he escaped out of their hands. I don't know. Star Trek? You know, dematerialized or whatever. He just disappeared. They couldn't grab him. Verse 40. And he went away again beyond the Jordan River to the place where John was baptizing at first where he stayed, Bethabara, called Perea too. But that's where Jesus is. And the people were drawn there because John had baptized there so many people. And many came, verse 41, to Jesus and said, John performed no miracles. John didn't do miracles, John the Baptist. But all the things that John spoke about Jesus were true. Verse 42, and many believed on him there. Many trusted, many just normal, everyday, common folks saw the miracles and said, wow. If he could do that for that guy, there's hope for me. That's the story. Believe, trust in, cling to. 
We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, and it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share His Word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to His immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And then join us back here next time as we return to our study of the Gospel of John. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray, a presentation of the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got a dwell with man. Sit behind and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me by your.